Chapter 10 Conclusion Introduction Introduction to the conclusion? Yes, I get the irony. Well, you made it. At the very beginning of this book, I stated, this is a book about faith disguised as a self-help finance book. I'm sorry if I ruined the ending. I pray that I have made good on that promise. As a university professor, I have the honor to witness multiple commencement ceremonies, graduations, and graduate-level hooding events, where masters and doctoral students earn the hood for their academic regalia each year. Honestly, it's one of the best parts of my job. Bearing witness to a culminating moment in my students' lives is priceless. Watching tears roll down their faces, their families' faces, sometimes their kids' faces, with adult learners and the sheer pride of accomplishment are moments that I would not change for the world. I've also had the opportunity to listen to a lot of graduation speeches, more than I can count, and many of them were terrible. One graduation speech I recall vividly was ironically one I didn't attend professionally. This graduation was for my wife's ascension from dental school and into her specialty. The speech was the opposite of terrible. The speech was inspirational. The speaker, a very successful surgeon, told stories of his trials and tribulations, his successes, but mostly of his digressions. He was a humble and kind soul who left this earth far too early. One part I'll share was a statement he made about the moments in life where we are tested. He stated in no uncertain terms that a handful of you will become successful, wildly successful. And in those moments, you will need to determine if you want to make a killing or make a living. Many of the leadership we have in government now have made the wrong choice. My position is that the ethics of the world have nearly perished. Good seems to take a back seat to evil, and chaos seems to find us everywhere. Well, assuming you never leave your home and only watch the news. If you do leave the nest and visit the local mom and pop shops, patronize local businesses, attend farmers markets, go to the theater, support local sports teams, and hold the door open for the elderly, you'd be surprised at what you find. I work to remind my graduating students of this fact when they leave the classroom. Many of these students are highly skilled and are prepared to take on the world. They will add value beyond what their pay will ever be able to reimburse them for. Some may find their passion. Others will realize that the work itself was the reward and their payment was secondary. Countless others will probably get into careers because the pay was good or the benefits were secure. I believe the phrase is something along the lines of, the salaries we are guaranteed are the drugs we are given to forget our hopes and dreams. Fewer graduates of mine will realize that as they work, a fiat system has been designed to systematically indenture them to a lifetime of work with no end in sight. Finally, a very small percentage of my students will take excess capital earned from a career path of joy and passion and redirect that wealth into an infinitely hard, durable, fungible, transferable, mobile, and eternal store of economic energy. That realization might just set them free. This is my goal for you and your heirs. Backstory I left higher education in the early 2000s for a variety of reasons, 
I left partly because administrative work had become numbing. Working with entitled and somewhat narcissistic professors became stale, and the final straw was when a professor, a colleague, blatantly plagiarized two years of my work in an instant. When I left, I refocused and landed a job teaching middle school history. This was easily one of the happiest times in my life. Middle school kids are a rare breed. Cruel, divisive, aggressive, and unsure in most situations. However, they are also vulnerable, honest, and kind once you peel back the layers of insecurity. When my brother died, my middle school kids reached out to me to offer words of encouragement. The staff, administration, and most other teachers didn't say a word. Honestly, only two colleagues even acknowledged my pain. The kids were real. The adults, for the most part, weren't sure of what to say. Today, the two teachers who were kind to me still keep in touch. And those students who have now grown and have families of their own still reach out as well. The stories ground me. During my second middle school years, as my wife calls them, I was teaching part-time at several universities to make ends meet. It was also to scratch the proverbial itch of teaching adult learners in higher education. A part of me missed the higher-level engagement and discussion. I became fast friends with an administrative assistant at one of the universities. Debbie, who was responsible for contacting me with course offerings, coordinating locations and times, and processing paperwork to ensure I was paid, became my work mom. When my brother passed, she reached out directly to me to not only offer kind and compassionate words, but to pray with me. I was a lowly, part-time, adjunct employee, a hired gun, if you will, and she found value in me and our relationship. She was one of the reasons I decided to get back into higher education. She represented the exact opposite of the negative interactions I'd had in the past. Debbie had a moral compass that, if I knew she was in charge of a department, must have reflected well of those who hired her and those she oversaw. If she was the face of the organization the leadership wanted me to see as a peek into the system, it worked. She was exactly the type of person I wanted to work beside. The Lord put her there for a reason. Debbie ended up having an aggressive form of cancer that spread to her brain. Eventually, the cancer consumed her body, but not her spirit. I visited her and her family often. They were and are good and decent people with a love for the Lord that is not shaken. I was honored to be asked to speak at her service. I told stories of her meeting my newborn son, how she kept me in line at work, and how she was one of the best shots with a pistol this side of the Mississippi. Want to know what no one spoke of during her service? Finances, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or investment portfolios were not mentioned. The deaths in our lives remind us of the significance of time and that we should not waste it. I was honored to share stories with my good friends before she passed, but I was also reminded that the Lord put her in my life for a reason, and me and hers as well. Her death prepared me somewhat for the death of my own mother. Again, there were no financial discussions at my mom's service either. Instead, there were tales of cooking, friendship, and adventures. My mother was a kind and compassionate soul, with a heart for baking and caring for others. 
It is for people like her and my father that I wrote this book, so that people like that, people like you, can remove the worry placed upon you by a broken system, restore order, and spend time with those you care for most. This book is as much for my heirs as it is for yours. Life in Focus Your life will be determined by a lot of things, none of which will have anything to do with how wealthy you were when you died. I hope, actually I pray, that when you are gone, people will share stories of the times they spent with you, the joy you brought to them, the kindness you bestowed upon them, or the generosity you had towards them. The future your heirs, hopefully Bitcoin heirs, inherit might very well depend upon the decisions you make right now. Not only your financial decisions, but small decisions, such as shutting down the external noise and spending time with your loved ones. Your heirs inheriting your fortune will mean nothing if you didn't have an opportunity to guide their moral compasses. Bitcoin, as the world currently plays out, provides an opportunity for more memories with loved ones, more time away from the screens, more real engagements, and fewer hours wasted chasing fictional realities of retirement. Bitcoin is a system that will reward patient adopters with the keys to the kingdom of time. This time, as a reward for persistence and patience, will transcend beyond the daily price of Bitcoin. The true reward will be in the moment's return to society, to you and your family, as they are no longer dependent upon quarterly earning reports, inflation-adjusted assets, or talking political heads that speak one way and act another. I look forward to all of us playing a part in developing the Bitcoin air next door. I am beyond optimistic that they'll pave a new level of integrity, honor, and kindness for the next generation when they have the time to focus on what really matters.